At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella McCare, the world messenger, and I'm welcoming you to the new episode of the Legacy Leader Show. I am super excited, as you guys can tell, this migraine on my face uh, to have a special guest today. Edward Fitzgerald, the originalist Londoner coming from UK and most recently residing in LA. Serial global entrepreneur, innovative pioneer, that is focused on sustainable innovation. That is awesome. Something that I'm really, really passionate about. He's also a trusted advisor, executive producer, and investor. And most recently, what I'm super excited to depict in this show with uh, Edward is documentary that he created that is called Dreamers. If you guys didn't hear about it, you should get full attention on because phenomenal Lisa Nichols, Jim Quick, Peter Demandes. Seth Godin, Sir Richard Branson, and so many others appear in this documentary, which I'm sure Edward will share so much about it behind the scenes and how he produced something phenomenal during the COVID and this crazy 2020. Edward, welcome. Thank you very much. I, I, your uh, introduction is uh, overwhelming even for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a very humble uh, when we create and produce amazing things to have that humble approach because usually people like herself were just like, I just keep doing what, I'm, what, I'm, what I love to do, right? But then when you really sum it up, it's just so many amazing accomplishments here, Edward. So I just want to say it's opportunity to brag in and kudos for everything uh, so far you created. You're very welcome. Um, thank you. Thank you. So where would you like to start? <laughs> I would love to, just because I'm diehard European, no matter what, how many years I'm being in the United States, even though I am diehard American as well. Uh, do you mind just tell us a little bit of that uh, British upbringing and how's to be a Londoner and, 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 and what, is, what was your growing up situation like in London that you remember uh, back when, uh, in, you know, in 50s, 60s, I believe, or 70s? Uh, yeah, I would have been seventies. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I was bad. No, that's fine. <laughs> I've, uh, it's the it's the grey hair and the fact that it's uh, it's going rather bald on top. So that's what the uh, is a sort of obviously a genetic thing. But um, no, so I I grew up in um, I was born in the late sixties and grew up in a little place called South London, south of London, and um, I even went to a little village school, even though it was in the middle of the middle of the, the city and everything else. Um, we had a, a little uh, place called Dulwich Village and its claim to fame was the fact that um, William Shakespeare's friend, Richard Bur Burbage, lived there and he wrote quite a lot of his work there. And then obviously within that borough of Southwark was where he, um, where he had the Globe Theatre and de developed a lot of his, his writings and his work. 
Wow, that is epic. That is epic, a great heritage. So, well, well, you, you know, as you appreciate, you know, UK is quite, quite steeped in uh, a lot of history. So, um, but obviously I, I grew up um, with, you know, sort of conflicts with, you know, um, we have obviously got a, a long history with Ireland or the Republic of Ireland. So we, we grew up as children with, with sort of bomb threats and things like that. Not quite as bad as Northern Ireland, but um, it was just, you know, an everyday thing, you know think about it but uh wow and reason why i mentioned not because of your age uh that you appeared at old uh but what i was thinking even what happened in the last 50 years uh i know the uk changed dramatically uh you, you know economically uh and and obviously with the different parts of europe i i lived quite a bit in sweden and scandinavia and has seen a lot of shifts in in and even just in last two decades uh, so it's just a great to also understand uh, dynamics that, and with those changes that happen in the last 50 years. If you don't mind, just kind of share a little bit to audience. Yeah. If you've not had a chance to travel to UK or traveled and cannot really grasp what you just mentioned. Um, I mean, I survived a war and for me that experience was not for most of my childhood. Uh, no. But for you, it seems like there was a stretch over a long period of time. Do you mind sharing a little bit how was that for you uh, on an emotional level and, and, and trying just to cope with, with the conflicts between Ireland and part of the South London? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, obviously, the, 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 um, they, were, they were quite, it wasn't like it was a full out war. There was, you know, the, uh, the, the, the bombers were, were quite... Um, Convivial in, in terms of they would actually phone and have a particular tip off to the to the to the police force to tell them that there was a bomb there in the first place. So most of it was about not necessarily killing people, but just about creating disruption and and everything else. So you know, it's part infusing of the fear and infusing the stress and and not and, and constant reminder of unsettlety, right? So it's like yeah. how do you cope yeah. when you constantly feel that fear factor, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I, I couldn't imagine being a child growing up in a in a in a war zone, where you're you know you have got you know, whether it be the um, you know bombs bomb blasts going off everywhere. Um, I remember because my 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 parents are of that age. They grew up. They were born just before the Second World War. So obviously, it being in London, they they were evacuated. So they they experienced the, that type of uh, war zone type thing. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that, you know, how I grew up was was um, anywhere, shape or form the same. But, you know, you're just you're conscious of it. And I, and I do actually recall when I grew up a little bit older, as I think we were saying before, I, I went to a naval college and uh, it was in the centre of London. And my biggest concern or my biggest um, frustration, I think, would probably be the best word, was the fact that we didn't have clear back in the, the the 1980s we didn't have clear sacks so that you know um at a sort of big railway stations or whatever where you would have put your rubbish they they were generally dark colored so because they people would hide bombs in the mm. refuse bins all the, all the bins would disappear so it was the fact that you'd have rubbish i was brought up to you know not throw my rubbish away but put it in the bin and then finding that because of the disruption, because of the bomb threats constantly, that they would do away with all bins because 
you know, people would hide bombs in them. And um, mm -hmm. so that, I, that was one of the, I mean, it seems crazy, but that was one of the thoughts that I had growing up. It was like, oh, I can't put my rubbish in the bin. And I mean, just things that, that as a child you, you think of or you focus on rather than the threat of a bomb going off or something of that nature. Mm. Um, that is that is very, um a very interesting pa parallel because and, um, and because working with a lot of people from different parts of the world it, it's just a, a reminder uh, as well I've, i remember when i was speaking with someone from asia that they grew up in vietnam and and they were worried about mines and certain areas yeah. that they could not uh, deviate from the pads because they never knew where the bombs uh, might explode yeah. because there's so much uh, hidden uh, yeah. bombs from Vietnam War, for example. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's so interesting uh, dynamic there. Um, so do you mind sharing then what happened what over the time how certain things got resolved or or are at least in some ways better with with some of those situations that you were ha that you were facing. Um. I think we were more aware of the, the, the fact that a, a lot of the, you know, the, the daily threat was, was more in, in, in Ireland itself, Northern Ireland. Um, so whilst London was a, a target, it, um, it wasn't the same level of conflict that you would see on a day-to-day -day level. Um, you know, very much the similar sort of parallel to you suggesting you, know, you couldn't walk down a particular street because of fear of being shot at or something like that. So we didn't live in that kind of, that environment in those in the you know in that decade um but but certainly i mean that i think that the whole world has changed in the last 50 years um we when we were doing um the, the filming uh, last year mm -hmm. it was the 50th anniversary of the of the of the first moonwalk and uh my mother re re reminded me that you know i was oh, i think it was what, eight nine months old uh, when, and, I, you know, and I saw that on the television <laughs> when it was broadcast. And um, it just brings home to you sort of not just technological innovation that, that's, that's sort of um, been exponential over that period. Um, it's the, the, the creature comforts that we come to expect in the Western world um, where you've got electricity. Um, you know, I grew up in the 1970s and 80s when we would have constant power cuts. Um, I remember queuing for petrol because of um, oil price prices going up, and you know, and just all sorts of things that um, even you know 30 years ago that that were commonplace that we don't see now in terms of shortages of, of electricity or, or supply of, um, of of materials. We you know from a things that we take for granted and and i think this has been yeah. phenomenal contrast because this happened in london guys and 70s and 80s and when you look at here the landscape what is going on in the united states and what other people already experienced in terms of hardship and difficulties and ways to learn to adjust and adapt for those changes. It's just remarkable because right now we're seeing not only COVID, but also social economic huge shift in, in, in current society, just let's depict United States. And a lot of people just simply don't know how to navigate that. So it's a great reflection and great reminder um, that even uh, through countries that you would think they're superpower and top five countries in the world they went to different stages of the of the growth and contraction and expansion as well hardships that are 
showing up on the most basic levels. Yeah. So that, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that um, obviously is, is um, hardships are now measured by the younger generation as to whether they've got access to internet or they have access to, to things that, that were not commonplace or a, or a mobile phone or, or the fact that, you know, um, you know when you do have, yeah, you know, usually if you do have power cuts, but those are quite commonplace in certain parts of the world because you've got electrical storms and, and it's what you grow up with. So um, it, I think it is a, a common um, misconception of sort of through the various generations of, Oh, you know, it wasn't the same as when, when I was alive. And um, the, the things that you do take for granted, and I, with my own children, I've got three young sons. I, um, during that, that period of lockdown, um, we were in the UK for, for lockdown, um, primarily because of, of um, other, other family that, that needed our support and what have you during that period. And, you know, it was, why can't we go out? Why, you know, it was that whole conflict and trying to rely, re relay back to them, say, well, think about all those people that are, should be confined to their homes that don't have a home, that live, live rough on the streets or perhaps they're in Africa. I do a lot of work in Africa. So I, I know that electricity isn't a, a, you know, a common factor. Most places, you know, it's only the shops that have got generators or some form of, of electricity that then have refrigeration. So they shop on a daily basis. So when those, those countries, you know, decided to do the lockdown with very few cases effectively in those countries, the fact that those people are not just prevented from going out, they're prevented from going and getting their basic provisions for, for food, for, um, to actually work. Cause most of the, you know, they get paid, they do a day's work and they get paid. It's not like you're in a salary job or something. Um, so just try to reflect um, and, and teach, you know, certainly my, my children for, around um, gratitude, mm. the things that we take for granted that you should be grateful for. Um, and just to be a constant reminder that, you know, it's not, um, it's not all about me. That is so powerful and actually so timely with everything that is going on right now across the world uh, with a lot of kids adopting to go virtually to school or not be able to see their friends and dealing with so many things that uh, were just uh, normal, uh, you know, prior everything just went completely 180 degrees uh, and family values that you just mentioned uh, that you installed with your sons are the ones that actually keep us going as adults and help us to really appreciate, but also be thankful and grateful for people around us and everything that we have. So yeah. that is, that is again, very empowering and kudos for being a great father and great parent. So. That was the way I was raised. So I, I, um, I just <laughs> instill it. Installed back to that. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So from from those times in 70s and 80s, uh, so obviously you spread your wings there as a global uh, serial entrepreneur. Do you mind sharing that journey when you uh, stepped away from UK and ventured globally and some of the adventures you accomplished uh, before immigrating and moving to United States? Yeah, so I um I, oh gosh, when it was, um, after a few years, I skipped 
I skipped college um, or you know further education went straight into higher education and was um, effectively asked to leave after three years of a four-year degree course because um, I was doing too much sailing I'm a keen yachtsman so I was doing a lot of racing and well I was getting the grades but you know as far as the, the my lecturers were concerned and, and the and the dean of the faculty was that you know it wasn't the done thing to do you know to, to go out sailing every night and offshore racing at the weekends um so i went into fortunately i was introduced into corporate life i uh, worked for some some big big names at the time it was a company called motorola mm. um was for those that are watching they were the ones that, that first came out with the the the, uh, the clamshell phone, phone the, the, the original <laughs> yes. StarTech. Now um, that's considered the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, and you know our mobile phones then were were you know heavy the, the big size, one. Of, a, heavy size of a car battery. You know that was yeah. my first mobile phone was the size of a car. Well, literally was the car battery with the car kit and the telephone on top. Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> now I'm aging myself, and um, <laughs> they. Um, but after a short a few short years, I, I realized that um, I, I needed to spread my wings. I got headhunted to another firm and then decided at the ripe age of 23 that I was going to go out uh, on my own as a consultant. Mm -hmm. And um, I did very well. Um, I had a good, good, very good reputation within the, within the industry, which is looking back now at the age of 51, thinking, how did I have the tenacity to do that? Um, but I just had total belief in what I, in my knowledge and um, my abilities, and I, as a, I grew that consultancy practice, um, and we ended up in well, three, th three or four continents, um, and I ended up work working in eighty different countries around the world, mm. running projects, um, both just not just within the tech sector, but um, but also ended up. Um, acting as an advisor to various foreign governments, um, telecoms industries and IT industries was, was at the time quite regulated. So a lot of my work involved negotiating licenses for, for products. So I, I spent the last, well, most of my professional life taking new products, innovative products and services from um, concept through research and development, through all of the, the things that that go on behind the scenes, the testing, the um, meeting of the regulatory requirements. Um, my job in the end, was, and, 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 and environments that is product and services. Yeah, so you know, and, and, conducive and, to and culture and, and different countries and diversity, right? Of of the yeah. needs and demands and approaches to those cultures. Yeah, and I think in the end, I'd, I'd done, I'd launched, I'd lost count. Of, I think it was about four and a half thousand plus. Um, new products and services that I've, I've helped launch and bring wow. to market in in, foreign, in, in 80 countries. Um, so in those early, in the 90s, we were, you know, the, the systems and the, the technology was building the internet that we uh -huh. have today. And, um, but sort of fast forward till up to um, 2011, uh -huh. um, I had a, uh, I was, I was racing a friend's yacht and got hit on the, forehead with a stainless steel ring and the sort of thickness of my thumb at about 30 33 miles an hour and um, had a brain injury 
so I had a traumatic brain injury. Um, we finished, finished racing because I'm quite competitive, but um, it was quite evident I'd had a, um, you know, a brain injury, but um, I was misdiagnosed and um, was being treated for concussion initially. And then it took four months to get referred to a neurologist. And then I spent, so I'd lost, so just to give you some context, I'd, um, apart from intense headaches and what have you, I'd lost, uh, lost my memory or lost the connection to my memory, learned memory. I recognized family. Um, my two eldest sons were, well, they had been about uh, two and four at the time. Wow. And um, so, and, but I, w I was left with hypersensitive hearing, taste and smell. Um, I think the hearing was the most excruciating because obviously with kids, young children shouting and, and, and the headaches, it was just, uh, was, was, was quite stressful. But I, I couldn't hold a, a thought in my head. Um, as a consequence, I, I lost the, the consultancy practice. Um, I, I just couldn't manage the day-to-day -day running of, of the business. I'd already restructured because of the dot-com bubble and we went, you know, made the team virtual. So I was, at the time I was running projects um, with, with, with others, uh, but myself as the figurehead. And um, yeah, so I, I think it was probably about a, just over a year um, and my counsellor and neurologist, uh, neurologist said, um, that's it, you've reached a plateau. I, was, I, I think I was expressing some frustrations at the fact that I, my lack of capability and I couldn't do certain things. Um, and they said, well, look, you know, you're going through a bereavement process. You've lost, you're not going to operate at that level, level again. You've, um, and something inside me just screamed, no, hell no. I'm not accepting and, uh, that. That is powerful. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to pause here for a second. Yeah. I just want to say it's, it's beautiful uh, that what you did and, 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 and how you recognize uh, what is going on. And it's so fortunate because I'm seeing and hearing this a lot because I work with a lot of professional athletes, but this is outside of professional athletes that we're seeing a lot of misdiagnosis around brain injuries and a neurological incidents when they start occurring. What is true root cause of that? And luckily with the new technology, it's a lot of hope and much more progressive way of thinking, but then you have to be surrounded by those kinds of people. And I just love that you did not confine and yeah. accept that. So please share, what did you do to yeah. be taking power back and transform your life after I, severe injury? So the, the part of the brain, so I, I, part of the problem I had was I couldn't even articulate the problems that I had, the cognitive issues that, you know, I did, I, I, I did a cognitive test, but they'll show a picture of simple things. And I go, well, yeah, that's a cat, that's a kangaroo or whatever it is. But it was access to all the memory. It was access to all sorts of other things that I just couldn't. And, and obviously the, 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 the frontal lobe is your, what they class as your CEO of your brain. It makes all the executive functioning and everything else. So this is how, I still find it quite bizarre that I was able to decide without having that executive function in the brain that this wasn't right and this didn't sit well. I've, I've always used my intuition mm. um, in my adult life 
to um, guide me with my business dealings, uh, with work and projects. And, you know, I always got burnt if I didn't follow my gut instinct. Mm, decision making that comes from within and yeah. you did not disconnect it from it so guys please listen this is the most important golden nuggets that you're going to ever hear how important it's not to dis disconnect from ourselves our inner self please yeah please so there are, there are obviously some 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 thoughts now with with mm -hmm. um the gut has as many um you know uh, neurological activity in the gut as there are in the brain and you have the the, the vagus nerve which connects the the two and so there's a lot there's a lot more knowledge around um the sort of the brain or the whole being of, of, of holistic of approach to us what make us stick what make us function what make our emotional emotional responses and you spot on how much uh, actually is our gut our stomach i mean our inner self connected mm. to the brain uh, absolutely so you're living example obviously intuitively that did that so yeah so this is this is the bizarre thing was the fact that i intuitively screamed no i didn't have a so the thing the biggest thing for me was i didn't have a so any social reference mm. to somebody else that had a brain injury like mine that had recovered not even a little bit and in that moment i decided that i had such belief in the human brain the fact that you know i, I was aware that, that you know at that point that because what had happened so i'll recap about four months so Immediately after that sort of that conversation, mm -hmm. I started to to recount. I'm like, well, hang on a minute. I've learned I've learned to read again. In the last four months, I've learned to read again. I recognise words, but I didn't they didn't mean anything when they're in a sentence. And I and when I what I when I did try to read things, it certainly one did it not it didn't make a sen any sense. And two, I couldn't recall what I'd read. Um, so I used the, the memory issues as well. Yeah. So I use the literature that they give out, as, you know, to, to describe to your loved ones. Okay, this is the area of, of the brain that's been affected. These are the um, these are the issues that this is how you know the, the problems that manifest themselves as a consequence of that. So I use those really as a as a as a, a way of um, finding out how I could working out for myself what the problem was so I could articulate it because it wasn't just one area of the brain. The fact that I had um, sensory, heightened sensory things. So, you know, taste, smell, um, you know, hypersensitive hearing. Fortunately, the taste and the smell have, have gone now. I still have hypersensitive hearing. And as a consequence of doing that and, and learning, and, and I, it, was the, it was that realization after I came out of that, that consultation and thinking, hang on a minute, I've learned to read again in the last four months. And not only that, I can remember them. So my memory isn't, you know, it's not as though I've, I've completely wiped it and I'll never have another, have memory again. I've been able to recall new things. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any other reference point. Um, I just took everything that the neurologist had told me not to do. Wow. As my list of things to do. Fantastic. So you did not confine in the limited beliefs, didn't confine um, in I it. I don't think I've ever been a conformist. Thought process, and you're a little rebel. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever been a conformist. You very so I, well. <laughs> um, and 
I, I, there was a whole range of things that I, I mean, I, it wasn't an instantaneous thing, but it was in that moment that I, I had that revelation. And I, I just, the, probably the one and only time that I, my, my, all my memories have, pretty much all my memories have come back now, but um, that I had 110% belief in the human brain and the fact that it has, we use such, so, such a small part of it. It has effectively unlimited, mm. unbounded capabilities compared to where we, what, what we do do with use of it. That I said, I'm going to be 110% better than I was before. In reality, my journey, I'm a thousand times better because I'm, I had to learn who I was. I didn't, I used personal development to, to um, identify what my core values were, mm. um, what, what made me tick. Why was I successful before? What things did I do intuitively or just without thinking that I was good at that I just put down to serendipity or something else? Um, and I learned a huge amount about myself, but it, it wasn't linear. There was, you know, lots of ups and downs. But the biggest thing I think was the fact that um, we talk about disease. Mm -hmm. If you separate the words dis and ease, my brain, I think a lot of, I had a lot of illnesses um, as subsequent to the, to the head injury. Um, you know, and I had colonoscopy, endoscopies because I had pains in the stomach and I was passing out with intense pain. They couldn't find anything. I think these were all symptoms of my brain being shooting, at disease. Yeah, shooting, shooting some, some different signals and affecting mm. other organs. And, and without looking at you holistically, a lot of things can be easily missed. And, yeah. and, and just one thing I want to just pivot on this. It, it, this is so beautiful what you just shared, because uh, when I used to rehabilitate um, people from all over the world that experienced the most horrible uh, life experiences of genocide, torture, war trauma, human mm. trafficking, um, rape victims all, um, from over 100 plus countries. Uh, we have these invisible wounds, as I call it, which is very difficult and challenging to see the progression you're making. Yeah. But when, when we start looking at as a human, uh, as empowered and powerful and capable and, 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 and with the dynamics that we have uh, of, um, uh, you know, driving that, that inner mindset that we can heal, that we can get better, that we have desire and passion to get better, um, sky is limit it's, it's just it's possible not only to rehabilitate but also to as you said rebuild life and give yourself clean slates and then rediscover and then decide who do you want to be at this journey at this part of your life and yeah. and and please uh, continue sharing because i'm sure for so many listeners uh, as well, the people that are watching this, this is uh, tremendously important. Yeah. Specifically, yeah. I'm sure so many of us can relate today what we're experiencing during these yeah. tremendous forceful changes upon us. Yeah. So I, I read I'd always had this problem of, of my brains not switching off. Mm. So prior to the head injury, I would constantly have two or three different thought processes running around in my head. And quite often people thought I stuttered. It was because my, if you can think of it as a, as a computer, all the processing power was running somewhere else, not on the speech, but thinking about what I was talking about <laughs> because I was already three, three thoughts ahead. And um, one of the things that 
my neuro neurologist said early on, he said, um, have you ever practiced mindfulness? And I'm like, no. Mm. And um, it was the impetus uh, with, with, a, with my cousin, to, um, and she helped me a lot, to um, rediscover meditation. And I, I hadn't realized I'd been meditating um, you know, for the few years before the head injury. It was just my way of trying to get to sleep. You know, I would just concentrate on my breathing. And I hadn't realized that was the, the, the basic form of relaxing and clearing and um, you know, sort of getting into a state where you would be able to meditate. So there was all sorts of things that I did. And I, I really did experiment. I would like, I would, that would, um, being from an engineering scientific background, I'm used to experimenting. So I experimented on myself lots of different techniques lots of different things i just learned things i would um read as much as i i could um but you know what was the the biggest thing that set me on the path that i'm on now please i'd love to hear that so it was the fact when i went through my core values and i realized that i wasn't for the last for the 22 years before that in you know my professional life i hadn't been living in congruence with my core values I had been working, making startups, multi-billion dollar corporations through helping them launch and reduce their time to market for their products and services. And um, it was all about making people money. Mm. And I'd missed the point that, you know, my core values are, are around, you know, creating a, a, a better environment for humanity to live in. And so my, my core tenants now really are, um, I, I get involved with projects that, that I either have, or hopefully have a win-win in terms of humanity, the planet, and as a consequence of those, getting those right, even within business, the profits come. You don't have to focus on the profits, the profits will naturally come. And um, I'm so glad you're sharing this because um, that is phenomenal discovery and rediscovery of your higher self, right? And your true purpose and your destiny, what you meant to play. And as um, being not only studying and depicting leadership and leadership models, but also dealing with C-suite executives and people uh, that are extremely successful, I early recognized how much that drive, that typical profit capitalistic mindset, and I'm nothing wrong with that if it does not have human element in it. But because in the past, we took away the human element from it, of course, we then took it away uh, environmental elements out of it as well. Those things created so much friction, so much pain, so much disease that manifested in so many different ways. And I remember, and still I look at statistics, how high percentage of suicide it is with seasoned veterans in, in this high levels, decision makers and executives uh, that just cannot handle anymore the pressure, the expectations, because I always said, the leader, you are 24 seven, same congruent human being. If you're not, you're exhausting yourself because you're playing at least two or three different roles, roles you have at home, roles you have in business with other peers and, 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 and influencers, and then in community. And, and if you cannot have that congruence, as you just mentioned with your values and what's important to you, you literally are dying. You're killing yourself. You can't sustain that. 
And that's why a lot of people get these crazy diagnoses and symptoms and they're not sure why they're experiencing what they're experiencing because they truly never get a chance to rest, to debrief, yeah. to truly generally be happy. And they always tell me, Isabella, money is not the answer. We should yeah. focus on all the other pieces of puzzle and then money comes. So do you mind sharing a little bit more about that? Because obviously you made money, you had a phenomenal successes, but now you flipped the script, you repositioned things yeah. and, 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 and what that looks like today so that everybody that is one, driven by societal norms of succeeding and what the success means, yeah. do you mind sharing from your perspective now with that yeah, belt of, of knowledge? Yeah. So, I mean, people talk about 2020 as being the great reset. Um, I think the great reset for me was 2011 when I had my brain injury um, because I, you know, I, I was almost wiped out financially. I, I was literally weeks away from bankruptcy. In fact, I, um, I think it was only my condition and, and trying to, to, to converse with the judge that, you know, I, um, you get my situation that he took, took pity on me and allowed, allowed, um, you know, a, 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 to you know to, to to resolve the situation um but in respect i mean I, I won't go into too much detail but you know it's amazing how you discover when you're in that situation people that you've been in business with for a long time how they're very quick to take everything oh, yeah. um oh yes so I, I i i was yeah I, I lost quite a bit due to business partners walking off with 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 parts of the business that and and you know I, but anyway but you, you could be but the, but, 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 but um, if you don't mind let's just pause for a second there because yeah. that is that old mindset when you think about it with that mindset that you had this is the people you associated with so it was kind of to be expected right and 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 that is great lesson too because now we're looking back and thinking i'm glad that i stepped away i'm glad that my energy is different i'm glad that my values and values actually that were always there but they were buried because we were yeah. thought different mindset we were taught about different measures of success and what we should do, specifically male uh, role models versus female and, and, and what, what that looks like in quote unquote professional world, right? Yeah. So when, when yeah. you think about it, that is the old fragment dissolving and showing and reminding us and teaching us that we cannot actually anymore be associated with those types of individuals because that's what is you know typically uh, pathway to yeah. uh, show uh, the lesson of what not to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think when I look back, you know, that the old me mm -hmm. would have probably um, would have been very consumed with, you know, why did they do me wrong? Because I, you know, I, I was, I was always told, you know, you're too nice to be in business. Um, mm -hmm. But I always had the philosophy that, me too. So karma. I'd love to hear more about that as well. But 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 karma would have some some. I'm not deeply religious, but you know that mm -hmm. that you know what goes around comes, comes around. around. Absolutely. And but spiritual but, principles, which are very humane right now, we have to be mm -hmm. aware. We're we're also spiritual beings, and it's more to us than just that physical and emotional uh, dynamic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, I, I mean just flipping back to the head injury. I didn't even know that part of what I, um, cause my memories would, would just come back 
mm. every now and again um little snippets of schoolboy french or something you know and um i discovered it wasn't until i had to do some research for the book that i wrote with brian tracy in 2015-2016 that i discovered that there was actually a science called neuroplasticity it's the brain's ability to re yes reconnect neural pathways so i I, I'm, I do find that I'm learning something new every day mm. and um, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful um, for the things that I've learned during that very, what would have been a very, well, what was a very, very painful episode. You mentioned suicide. Um, I didn't, wasn't, I, I didn't want to write that in the book at that particular time. I wasn't ready to share it, but because um, even my, my closest family didn't, weren't aware until two years ago that um, at my very lowest point after the brain injury um, in the depths of clinical depression, that I just was so tired, I just wanted to end it all. And I was driving down the motorway and just closed my eyes. I was probably a split second away from probably killing somebody else as well in the process. Um, but, you know, you were saying about veterans and others. My biggest concern for this current timeline that we're in at the moment is people's emotional and mental health and well-being, um, the stresses, the people that perhaps in corporate life were just about managing their emotional and mental well-being, that this is just Putting the tip on the other side because yeah. emotional capacities, it's threshold of previous past events. Uh, it's now it's like over-consuming the threshold shoulder that anybody or majority of people can really handle because you have all these other stressors and I see a lot of emotional capacity being over not just maxed out but spilling over and affecting everything else and I also see very low threshold of emotional intelligence but to mm -hmm. ask to know what's going on so to be able to seek proper um, support and then when you also seek support, so many people are in need that is also very challenging to offer quality of the, of the, of the services and support that people need at a specific time. And, and yeah. when you see all those elements, and then again, the way men are trained generationally, be tough, be, you know, you can't show your emotions. Uh, a lot of things you guys process very differently and you bottle that up inside with yourself and 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 to the point that split second can truly mean a lot of different things and 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 permanent life decisions doesn't it yeah yeah um yeah we're always sold man up you know there, there's different phrases in different languages for it but it you know sure. um um to be the strong one in the family because the male you know, it's always been seen as the, the hunter gatherer and not the nest builder. Um, so there's a lots of sort of societal and cultural um, pressures that we're, that we grow up, we're not even aware of. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was actually quite a sensitive young man um, growing up. So I, you know, I, even though those, those values were still instilled in me um, to be the strong one and, and all the rest of it. But it's difficult. It is difficult. And it does take sort of sometimes a life event to, or an event such as that we've got with the with the global lockdown and the economic fallout from that. To um, to to you know there are a lot of I think you know it's sad to say a lot of broken people 
There are, and and now I that's that's a very powerful statement because right now with everything that is going on, it just became more clear and more visible. Uh, before people were able to somehow to contain that or fake it till they make it, but right now with everything with magnitude that is happening, it's it's just spilling everywhere and permeating to everything, and yeah. that's why we have to do in our work. And I kudos you for not giving up, for finding strength and surrounding yourself with the right groups and 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 working and doing the work because a lot of societal things that i'm seeing which is unfortunate and pains me and it's heartbreaking that people always look for quick fixes and yeah. looking on things that are very short-lived and very quick outer versus inner where all truly all the foundation of everything really lives and and comes from and comes from within yeah. So if you yeah. don't mind, you mentioned Brian Tracy. I met him, I loved him. I, I'm a huge fan of his work for over the decades, obviously. Um, yeah. and, and it's just amazing to see him, how beautifully he is aging and how humble and sweet and kind he is. I just like every time I was like, I just wanna hug him. Uh, but then also hearing his messages and things that he is, as he's aging, and with his health deteriorating, how well he's positioning and still showing up and doing the videos that you cannot really tell that his hand is shaking or that he is yeah. having also some memory issues. And, and But then in the same time, still being so warm and authentic and so driven, not because he had to or need to, but he desires, he wants to. And when yeah. you see that infectious passion to the last drop of his energy, to, I, I, you know, it's like, I know that he's going to produce to the last breath he takes yeah. um i just want to say from that perspective um do you mind just sharing how did you met and how did you come up about writing the book and uh, did you create a film with him or something do you mind share a little yeah, bit about so that journey it's, it's you know I'm, i think i mentioned serendipitous moments um or what i would have probably called them before in fact i i um i would how would I put it? I manifested the arrangement, to be honest. I, um, Please, I, I believe that in the law of attraction and I believe in manifestation. I, I'm totally um, sticking my language. So watch so, out what you desire, right? Yeah. So the, the, the weird thing was, so prior to my head injury, I used to do lots and lots of, um, you know, I was, I was the um, go-to expert in my field. Mm -hmm. So I'd sp speak at conferences all over the world. Um, primarily to promote my, my organization and what have you. And so probably in the, in, the, in the few years leading up to the, to the brain injury, I was actually looking back and I'm, like, I'm quite bored. Just, just another product, another technology, just, just regurgitating it. You know, that mm -hmm. I, I was already prior to the head injury, head injury realizing that, you know, um, I, I was looking for something else and I, I'd registered. So I registered with a couple of, um, a couple of agencies. And um, to, to, to just to, to, to be a you know a professional speaker, and I can't remember who it was. I probably the October I'd started to to sort of manifest. I I think one of my my manif manifestations at the time was um, that I'd I'd be on a stage and work with um, Brian Tracy and Jack Camfield, but mm. but as 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 peers. Mm. Um, that my that my uh, um, a, a film would be made of my book, and I, I I tried to write a book probably 
two years and I'd been picking up and putting it down and, and what have you. And then in, I think it was late January, I got a phone call out of the blue. I've had, I've never changed my mobile for 30 years or, or more. And um, I got a, a phone call out of the blue asking if I would speak um, on international trade at the United Nations. And um, which was that all the things amazing. that I'd been asking to do and all those, you know, I wanted to get back into public speaking and things like that. And, but because of the brain injury, even though this was what, um, four, five years on, um, I'd, there was, I'd, as a consequence of the brain injury, my confidence level, my self-confidence was, was zero. In fact, it was below zero. And because you're um, not sure was, what you're capable at the moment, right? And, and and all of a sudden you keep hearing what you can do, cannot do. It's all of a sudden like starting believing, can I truly do this now or cannot, right? Yeah. So so they always say, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I made out that I was busy. I said, oh, what day is it? No, 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 I can't do it. It's, uh, yeah, no, I'm busy. Can't make that week. But it, it, but in reality, I was I had um, petrified. I was petrified. Yeah, I I I'd, I'd lost my nerve. I was like, oh no! I lost I your edge. Do, lost your edge because I they keep telling you all these things you cannot do. I can yeah. I can totally understand that. But also, I I'm not one. I'm I'm not one a person that can just stand up and be given a script and talk about sure. it. I have to Has talk to come from, from a not, from a from a. Per, from a, from a position of power or knowledge or experience. And that's, you know, that's what I had done and all, I always will do. And so therefore I didn't feel confident that I was in that space you know, prior to the injury. It wouldn't have been a problem. I would have done it. And um, about a, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from somebody else at the, the same agency saying, um, we represent a number of um, celebrity experts would you be interested um, in writing a, you know, co-authoring a book? All right, okay. Well, you know, bearing in mind, you know, I'd already been picking up and writing a book and I was like, okay. Um, there was a, a few things that just sort of twigged and I was like, sparked my interest. And, and then the name Brian Tracy was mentioned and I was like, oh my word, you know, this is one of the guys that, that, that helped me during my recovery um, and before that you know, in terms of probably that the instilled the mindset. Mm -hmm. And um, so I thought, okay, nothing ventured, you know, um, nothing gained. So I'll, um, I had the, 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 the discussion with, with, the, with the editor. And um, I said, what's the title of the book? And he said, oh, the success blueprint. And I was like, so my, this is the problem with, with the human brain. You always jump to conclusions or a pre uh, conception of what the content of the book was. So, I, I linked the success piece to being financially successful for being, and I just had to say to the guy, I, I'm really sorry, but I would feel a fraud if I wrote about, I, I was successful before my head injury. And so I, then I explained about my, you know, very quickly about mm -hmm. my head injury and the things that have happened to me. And I'm on this path of recovery, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm better now. I'm, I've got access to my memories and learn knowledge and, um, and I'd started working again you know, in terms of um, clients. And um, there was silence. And I said, oh, you, you still there? He went, I, I, he was speechless. He said, that's your contribution to the book. I said, no, but you said it was the sex. He said, 
success means what we wanted to cover in the book was that success means so many different things um and has so you know there's so many um dimensions to the word success it, it means you know your Absolutely. personal success your health success it means well, you know whatever that there are successes everywhere um and usually success is beyond financial you know, the, measure the, the, and, and current state or what yes which is but, but again what we're, is, what we're installed but, to believe but also success from my perspective was was beyond the point of all those failures yeah so that's you know overcoming what, what, difficulty and truly rising from the ashes as they say as a phoenix rises from the ashes yeah. that is brilliant and and then the film um the opportunity to to pr help produce brian's life story um came about off the back of the book um and again i i turned that down initially as well this wow. is crazy <laughs> because oh, okay. my Tell youngest me why. son tell me why what happened there um my two eldest sons were all born were both born early the eldest was born four weeks early second one from four weeks out decided he was going to try and make an appearance and i think he, he arrived finally at two weeks early and um my youngest son uh, henry was due at the end of august and so i i established that the principal filming was going to be done in San Diego between um, I think end of July and beginning of August. Yeah. And so I, so my wife's like, he's going to come early. You know, you can't possibly be, because we were, we were, so she was in the UK and I'm all over the place. And um, so I, I decided that I was going to do it while I was writing the book. I was like, they're not going to make Brian's tra Brian Tracy's life story more than once. I have to be involved. I have to, to help make this film. So I phoned them up and said, is the offer still, this is probably about a month after I said, is the offer still there? And I went, yeah, yeah. And um, so I, I engaged in, in, in helping make, bring his life, his amazing life story to, to a much wider audience to, to, to people that had perhaps only ever come across him in his 40, 50 years of, of, of work perhaps you know in very small narratives like sales or something else you know they they, they hadn't um they, they hadn't seen the a lot whole of slices of but not holistic whole beautiful compound yeah. impact and a whole story that's phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal. and um so the, the film's called maximum achievement which was his best-selling book and program um and it talks about the seven mental laws which interestingly one of them, only one of the seven mental laws that Brian Tracy had developed was law of attraction. Wow. <laughs> because wow. Rhonda Byrne was in the audience when on one of his courses for, for when he teaches this, uh, maximum achievement, the seven mental laws. And, um, and we all know that the rest is history. She's created a cult following for law of attraction from sure. that. Which actually I have the book, but with it, it's interesting too when we're intentional and we don't when we don't create a pressure and expectation from whom and when and why, but just surrender and just let it happen unfold. Look at what magic happens. Yeah. And everything worked out. Worked out birth of your sons and, and yeah, and well ironically of the documentary. 
Ironically, um, I picked up a voicemail as I transited through New York to say I've gone into labour <laughs> four weeks early. <laughs> Oh. And he was born three weeks early, so it was fine. Um, he was delivered. So he, after he I got just back. he helped you out. See how universe works out as well. He helped you out to come even earlier, so you can still do what you needed to do. Yeah, so that was four years ago. But yeah, amazing. Wow, but that is beautiful. But also, what a legacy to pass on to your sons. What a legacy for them when they grow up older. One day when you, uh, I mean. Uh, so many, so many people may not be around, but but the piece of of that that, that that's timeless, the piece of art that 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 really shares and and this, uh, descends mm. through through centuries. One thing I just want to quickly share through my experience with very strong global background of individuals and spiritual leaders across the world. I remember my journey of uh, three spiritual leaders from Dalai Lama, obviously Tibet, uh, to, to Sufis in um, uh, Africa, North mm -hmm. Africa and Middle East, actually, uh, and also Native Americans in the uh, in, in United States, specifically a Navajo tribe. I had a three spiritual different leaders in different times in conversations. And all three said something extremely profound, which I want to share with you. And it's been yes, uh, shared in my book, um, The World Messenger from Fear to Greatness is this, when we're talking about success, but also how you measure men's success. And all of them said is, uh, raising the children, which you seem like you're doing already a phenomenal job in doing that. Not only just yours, but other children, right? How do yeah. you bring the wealth and knowledge and influence in different ways and means yeah. to support right, that and healthy upbringing and, and, and keeping in life our, our world in better place, right? Mm -hmm. um, the second one is spoken word, which again, or pass it on generation, because in the past, there were not many opportunities to write a book. Uh, so right. people will be telling the stories. And right now we live in an era when we can do that. The digital footprint, the media, multimedia, which you're already doing. And the third one, what do you think it might be? Cut you over the guard. I will share it. Uh, the Go third on, yeah. one is, is 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 something that I, you mentioned earlier. How important environment to you it is. Yes. Planting the trees. Yeah. And when you think about it, the beauty, I always remember my favorite park and seeing the trees that are at least 100 plus years old and sitting in the shade of those gorgeous trees, you know, just meditating. Again, something that you mentioned earlier, or yeah. just playing chess with a friend and having meaningful conversation and enjoying that breeze and, 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 and motion and sun. And, you know, it's just things that are so simple, but the most priceless ones. So yeah. I just want to, I just want to pivot to that because um, not only brings that element of understanding who we are, but also what we're bringing on, what we're allowing to occur, and, and that law of attraction that actually allowed you to um, live in, in, in such a much bigger uh, way and shape and form than a lot of times we even realize. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, so, that, so my, 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 my passion really now is, is, is or, or, you know, that part of that journey was which led me to my, my what I feel feel is my true purpose. So I came up with this very crazy vision to have um, a positive, meaningful impact on at least three billion people. 
and that mm. would be my legacy. Um, my initial thought was through sustainability and sustainable innovation, teaching the next generation of scientists, engineers to create or, or to, to produce sustainable products mm. um, and that, that have a, you know, a positive impact on, on the environment, but also that actually you know, don't just go and study and for four years and only to, to produce an app that might sit in the app store or, or you know, iTunes or whatever it might be, use those skills for purpose, something more pers purposeful to have a, an impact, even if that's one other person in your life, you know, it's your legacy. So even if you have impact, so I tried to have an impact on somebody at least, you know, at least one person every day um, in my, my day to day activities. But on the much bigger picture is, and that's the reason why I got involved with Dreamer was because I was working with the same director um, you were working with, with the Brian Tracy story, yes. and okay. he, Perfect. he knew my crazy ass dream of of you know impacting three billion people, and um, they'd already had the concept um, through Giovanni. He wanted the concept for the film, film Dream. Do you mind mentioning for um, audience who Giovanni is for the people that don't know? He he is yes, a brilliant. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. So. Um, so he, 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 he formed, I think it was about four or five years ago, uh, the Archangel Summit, and he runs yes. that a lot for his narrative, I guess, is really more sort of Summit the for serial entrepreneurs and, and, and global entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, yeah. And creating, you know, it's all, you know, the events are done for, for not-for-profit in terms of a lot of the funds are plowed back in and they give um, uh, micro-loans to those people that want to start up or for startup ventures and what have you and um but so for my my impetus for getting involved with the film was that i saw the vision um or, or how can i put it? it aiding my vision of impacting three billion people worldwide is actually by 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 having different strategies to say right okay well no this, this is this is pre-covid this is pre you know pre pandemic this is um we're talking early 2019 so we started filming in august of 2019 and come end of january 2019 we started and finished filming and things were already starting to to un unravel so you know um la people already had but you know some people had masks on some didn't and so we were you know we were we were doing the filming and um, my narrative, I guess, really is, is around some of the realizations I had from mentoring some of the university students. So I've done a lot of mentoring with um, both undergraduates and, and postgraduates. And the realizations that I found was that they were somewhat dejected because they missed getting their first you know, first class honors degree by, by 3% and they thought they just wasted all the money in for you know the last four or five years of of life and um it was just about taking them back to actually saying okay what are your core values what what do you what do you want from your life you know what's you know, trying to understand if there was any purpose there or you know or something that they could find that was in congruence with them uh with with their core values so that they could then even if they went and got a got a job with an organization that after two years they they weren't like this because 
most people aren't aware of their core values and they don't know that that's their internal decision-making process. Um, and then perhaps they just feel like unhappy at work, but they don't know why. And then they end uh -huh. up leaving. And this is, that's the big, so I'm, I'm digressing a little bit. That's the big message I have for organizations when they say we can't understand or keep millennials. We have them for two years and yep. they disappear. That's because of this friction, this internal core values friction. Mm -hmm. and, and, and not good, healthy culture that is very diverse and inclusive, not only uh, from different generational standpoint, because you have generation that is retiring and you have a new generation that is coming and, and, and you need to be able to uh, actually position and be inclusive and able to attract as well as keep all of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I certainly think that, you know, the, gen the generations that are, are coming up since the millennium mm -hmm. are very much more purpose-led. Yes. They, have, they want to, to, to have an impact. They want to be able to, they're very much more conscious of the environment. They're um, social conscious and will not allow things that previous generations accepted as a normal. Right now, they're bigger challengers. They're big, biggest disruptors, right? And at the same yeah. time, biggest innovators in some point because they're forcing yeah. us to look at things from different perspective and as a result, come up with the different solutions. Yeah. So the, there's, um, so there was, there was, to be honest, there was so much footage that we took that were golden nuggets, hours and hours with Dean Kamen, mm. who, for those that, that aren't aware of Dean Kamen, he, I would term him, most people say Elon Musk is, is the modern day Thomas Edison. I would actually argue that, that, that uh, Dean Kamen is. He's a phenomenal engineer, uh, an inventor, mm. and most of his inventions have been medical related mm. over the last um, you know, several decades. I follow and, up with him uh, in, in the documentary and, and also Jessica Cox, um, yes. because both of them showed this amazing spirit beyond physical and, and, and beating all the ads and, and human spirit, how much stronger, more capable we are than we are ever being told and, and yeah. invincible. So yes, please t tell us more about Dean King's so, experience. Um, so no doubt there will be some follow-ups sure. <laughs> series of, that, that will um, tease out some of the, the, the golden nuggets that, that everyone shared. Um, certainly Lisa Nichols and um, Anusha Ansari. Um, yeah. We had so much um, unbelievable insight, human insight, um, soulful insight um, into, um, in, into you know, ultimately a lot of the problems that we've got in the world at the moment that that they just didn't make it. I mean, it's an hour and 20 minute um, full feature. Um, <laughs> there, was, there was hours, there was so much on the cutting room floor, um, so to speak. I'm so that, glad that actually to it. hear that because, you, because of all, all, all the people that you had in the movie from Sir Richard Branson to Peter Demandes actually, who I also know his work in. And then Jim, yeah. uh, Jim Quick, one of the guys that I absolutely hold dear to my heart. So I'm just, it, it's just so great to see some of them made maybe a few minutes and some of them had a little bit more uh, conversational aspects in the documentary. I'm just glad to hear that yeah. is more to it yeah. and that you guys are gonna have a lot of follow up to do. Yeah, so I mean, that, that, so uh, Dean Kamen said something 
quite profound. He said, you know, we don't have an educational problem or crisis. We have a, a cultural crisis, and that's why he created first 30 years ago, which was was primarily to to um, engage and enrich um, children into to get more uh, into STEM subjects, because um, that was found that there was you know certainly in the US there was a and they were way huge, behind yeah, turning huge, out their engineers. Yeah, but, huge discrepancy between genders, male and female, and also positioning. I remember even for me when I came to United States and, and, and trying to figure out what I'm going to do, what I'm going to be in this new chapter of my life in new society. Yeah. There were no much push for female at all because there was just this preconceived judgment who has engineer mind, typically men with this types of personality, yeah. they completely at the time took away anything that woman would be capable of doing, which was horrible. When you look at right now in retrospect. So um, a lot of my impetus is really sort of, I, I guess, um, so I mean, so that without spoiling the film for those that haven't seen it, uh, uh, we're, it's obviously still in pre-release. We did we did a week-long premiere um, yes, because of the phenomenal. I cannot say you have to see it if you want to position and rediscover your dreams and get in that dreamer state and also align yourself with amazing individuals that are doing phenomenal work in the world. Uh, what yeah. a great legacy! You have to guys pay attention when premiere will be i mean the real real release do you mind telling yes. us some of the dates and deadlines around so that? um 25th of september is going to be the full release we're, we're actually we're still so i'm not quite sure when 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 people will get to see this this podcast but um we're doing daily showings now uh -huh. um so you can register off off the website dreamer.movie to uh, to register for um, daily showings, and, and that was really purely because we'd, we'd had feedback that some people had watched it four or five times already. <laughs> um, so um, I was getting messages, um, the director's getting messages, I'm getting messages halfway through people watching the film saying, I'm in tears, and the film hasn't even finished yet. It's been so moving uh, for so many different people. And I think that, so the original thought process was that we would release it at the end of September at the Toronto Film Festival. But when we realized that that wasn't going to happen, you know, it's been pushed back a year, that, um, so the post-production team, so, you know, and the editor who, who quite rightly has just got himself a, an Emmy um, a, few, a few weeks ago for another film, um, did an amazing job to, to plow through tens of hours of footage to create what he, that, that we've got as a final cut of the film. And, um, so it was pushed out early. We, we relaunched it on the 20th of July. And the, um, the, the, the impetus really was about the fact that we'd been in various countries around the world have all been in lockdown for several months. Mm. When you're in lockdown, in, you know, we're not just talking about sort of America and, and Europe and all the rest of it, where food, you can store it and you can you know, refrigerate it and it's not going to perish within a few hours. Um, you know, a lot of people were still in the, in the survival mindset of where, where are we going to get the next lot of food from? Where are we going to get the next toilet rolls from? You know, silly things like this in, 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 uh, in the wider context of things. But the idea was that if we don't give permission, 
people permission to dream because you're in that survival mode that survival mindset the last thing you're going to be doing is is thinking about the more artistic the more creative aspects of your life but also to feel helpful because at that those moments you start feeling very helpless you start feeling very um uh, depressed and 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 this kind of gave this huge opportunity that this is temporary even though it's challenging and difficult guys it was so uplifting to see it and and has such a great value during these challenging times and events and yeah. and and it's such a great perspective and contrast what you just shared uh thank you yeah. for that but um yeah so obviously the, the, the narrative around the world has very been very much fear-based Yes. And um, fortunately, so a lot of people thought we had deliberately created the film to be released in the middle of pandemic. lockdown and, 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 and or pandemic. Um, no, we, we, we were already on that, on that path. We just uh, released it early. So, um, so that, you know, for me, it's not, you know, hopefully I am, um, my ideals for the film have, have been met if at least one person of the thousands that have watched it already actually goes on and actually does something and has a, a positive, meaningful impact on the life of somebody else or a thousand. So that was the, that was the, the, the crux of the film. You've actually got six true stories woven into one film. Um, and the narrative really is, despite you've got, you've got such a diverse a uh, range of, of, of individuals from engineers to an astronaut to um, to, to an arm, you know, a pilot with the first female pilot without arms. Um, the narrative is, is there were ordinary people that did the extraordinary or became extraordinary because they followed their dreams and weren't put off by them. And also, they, besides following their dreams, they restored uh, beliefs in humanity, what we're capable of, because they beaded all the ads. Everything you were starting to share in, 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 in this podcast, in this show with us, uh, of limitations that you've been imposed upon with your brain injury. And, and, and that is truly that invincible human spirit, which is so, uh, guys, again, very uplifting and very good, very soothing. It's, 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 I felt such a soulful, so heartful, um, and, and, and really just affirmed it for me, my journey and where I'm headed and what I'm trying to do. And then again, law of attraction, not only to see it, but also to have now this opportunity to talk about it. And yes, guys, this will be, be released very soon, way before uh, the official premiere on September 25th. So you guys can uh, hear this and anticipate phenomenal, um, again, documentary that will help all of you that are watching and listening, at least to remind yourself what's important, rediscover or discover your own values and adjust them with the new environments and change, and also your dreams, because life is too short, guys. We cannot stop dreaming and not fulfilling those dreams, working towards those dreams. Because sadly, so many people's lives cut short, as we know, due to COVID, due to world conflicts, due to so many issues, and um, we cannot, um justify anymore being idle or feeling like we're hopeless and we don't have a choice one thing really that stood out to me is that we every single one of us have a choice and questioning is what we're going to choose to do 
So do you mind and just in closing one last message, a golden nugget for everything you share today and then all your experiences to say for all of those entrepreneurs or people that are trying to rediscover their dreams and their path forward, struggling with their own values or, 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 or self-worth, what would be one thing you want to leave them with um, as, as a powerful message from you? It's a, a mantra that I borrowed from, from uh, Sir Winston Churchill. It's never, never, never give in. And I've, that has stood me strong through my offshore yacht racing mm. um, with everything that, that the elements can throw at me through my brain injury um, and life in general. And I'm so very, very grateful that I, that the things that I learned during my, as a consequence of recovery from my brain injury has been enabled me over the last eight months to be so strong mentally and emotionally to actually support my entire family and friends and and the communities are, that, that I'm in touch with um, through this very, very testing times. And that we are able to deliver something as beautiful as Dream a Movie. Brilliant. As again, love, attraction, and action. What a great timing. What a great story. And what a great uh, opportunity to have you again on the Legacy Leader Show today, Edward. So thank you again for showing up sharing your beautifully yourself and 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 vulnerably uh things you've been through but also telling our audience and global listeners and people that are watching that we're so much more capable stronger and and can do and and you're a living example of that so thank you again thank you thank you isabella <laughs>